Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Like it could be easily entitled, Are You Healthy? But this is, this is how my mind works, right? I've got three words for you for tonight's message. Peace. Full cup. And I'll come back to that. So, reading through my Bible, there's 85 times where the word cup appears. To give you a play-by-play from Old Testament right throughout to Revelation, like Genesis to Revelation, I want to just give you an overview of this word cup and how it's used, because it's often a metaphoric language that uses, it's used to illustrate a point, right? But we know that a cup is a cup. Right? Like it's a vessel, right? It's something that carries something, yeah? Yeah, like this is, this is real good education right now. It's also something like it's often used as something that you give out of, like you as a vessel or you as a cup. But it can also be the cup of what you reap and what you inherit because we reap what we sow. So like this vessel, right, is something that firstly we carry, but it's also something that we give out of. And it's also something that we receive from. There's this like dual relationship of this this understanding and unpacking of the word cup. And let me run you through a few examples of these. In Genesis, it talks about the cup of calling. So Joseph, right, literally, I love this, right? He's a cup bearer by nature. His job is quite literally to carry something for the king. How many know that we've all been called to be a cup bearer? Because our job and Joseph's job was to carry something for the king. Yes, in the natural, that was his day job. But also the reason why he existed on earth is God put him in that environment to carry something of a dream. To unpack something of a dream for the king. To carry something, it was the cup of calling. In Leviticus, uh, if you've read that, there's a lot of blood. It talks about the cup of, like, the cup of sacrifice. Because, like, there's all this ritual regulation of this is how you're supposed to say sorry for all the stuff that you've done. And, like, I reckon if I was Old Testament, I would have had to be a farmer of some description because I would have needed a lot of animals in my life. There's a cup of sacrifice and regulations for the law. In Judges, it talks about the warrior's cup. We're like Gideon with the spirit, not the spirit of 300, yeah, with, like, literally the 300 men, right? God chooses warriors who, even though you're tired and even though you're thirsty, still have the presence of mind to stay alert and watch for the enemy and literally cup the water. Whereas the rest of his army shoved their face in and said, man, I'm going to just quench my need right now because I'm so thirsty. It doesn't matter who's coming at me. I'm going to die of thirst. And so he chose the warriors who still had the determination and the presence of mind to carry a warrior's cup, to be able to cup the water and still be on alert just in case they were under attack. How many know that we're called to stay on alert even when our physical selves may sometimes feel the opposite? God still calls us as disciples to be on alert, to be looking for the one, to never take our eyes off, to be making sure we're aware of when the enemy's trying to rub me right now just because I'm tired doesn't mean I have to let him. There's a warrior's cup, and it's a spirit that he wants us to carry. In 2 Samuel, there's a cup of adultery. And David, as king, right, instead of going to war and the time that kings do, sits at home. And how many know boredom can sometimes lead to bad decisions? And so out of this bad decision, right, he, he, he takes what 
is described by the prophet Nathan as the only lamb that this guy owns that would drink from his cup. It would find refreshment and its source from its cup. Be careful where you get your source of refreshment, the cup of adultery. In 1 Kings, it talks about the cup of blessing. And I love this. Like Solomon, right? He has this great moment where God turns up and is like, what do you want? And he's like, man, what a loaded question. Like open book, checkbook from Santa Claus Jesus. Like, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. He's like, help me. I just need help. Give me wisdom. And out of the overflow of good decision, there's this cup of blessing. It says when he brings the queen of Sheba, She's so overwhelmed by the blessing, by the wisdom that he's been given and by what he's been entrusted with and how he knows about all this stuff, but also how his kingdom operates in an area of peace and of freedom and of blessing. Like overwhelmed. How many want to be overwhelmed by the cup of blessing in your life? Like God has position. He's not lacking in source. Blessing for all of us. There's a cup of sacrifice that carries on in 1 Kings later on where Elijah, with the widow, she's got like nothing left. She's sitting down with her boy. They're about to have their last meal. And this cup of sacrifice works as the prophet says, before you eat your last meal, would you just get me a cup of water? And you think the cheek of the man How dare he ask this starving widow? You can't ask people who have nothing or are starving to death to give sacrificially. Why not? (laughs) And suddenly the source of who you're trusting to provide, you're confronted with in this cup of sacrifice. Do you know throughout the New Testament, there's moments where even one woman gave of all that she had and wasn't very much. Now, like, logistically, right? A little bit only can pay for a little bit. If you give 10 bucks, that's only 10 bucks worth of stuff that can be used for, right? So what she gave with her two coins was not a lot. But because that was all she had, God recognized the sacrifice. And there's this eternal consequence of the cup of sacrifice that says you're going to reap for eternity out of how you gave, out of the generosity spirit, not just when it was convenient, not just when it was comfortable, sometimes when it feels like it's your last meal. Are you willing to trust God above your own lack? It's a big question. And then in Nehemiah, there's this cup of like access and position and proximity. And he's like, again, a cup bearer called to carry something for the king, but also commissioned by the king to carry something who gave him proximity by nature of his job to allow him to ask for permission to rebuild the walls of a city. And because he had proximity to the king and favor with the king on earth, because God had appointed and anointed him to quite a lowly job of just taking refreshment to the king, he was able to bring a cup of refreshment to his nation because of this cup of blessing and of access and of position. In Psalms, it talks about the cup of blessing and thanksgiving, of anointing, of favor, of salvation, of worship. In Proverbs, it talks about the cup of wisdom versus the cup of foolishness, ultimately stupidity, which leads to death. Be careful of the cup of refreshment that we drink from. <laughs> the prophets, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, this is when God starts to get a bit like, over it, right? He's like, 
you guys are going to reap because there's like the cup of judgment, the cup of wrath, there's like fury and terror. And there's these moments where like suddenly we have to own what we did and we start to reap what we sowed. And it's like this moment where, again, I'm grateful I live post-Jesus on earth time because like pre-Jesus on earth, again, I'd need a lot of sheep and a whole lot of cows because that's a lot of blood. And then we jump New Testament, and there's this cup of generosity in all four Gospels. Again, we talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Understand that your generous spirit will live for eternity. When you withhold, it has eternal significance. And there's a cup of suffering. We know Jesus himself was like, God, if you can take this from me. But nevertheless, if you take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And ultimately, at least to the cup of our salvation. Thank God for that. There's the cup of the Pharisees where like Jesus gets so fed up. He's like, all you care about is washing the outside of the cup and not about the inside. And I don't know if you know how like health and germs work, but like just basic hygiene. Like if all I did was wash the outside of my dishes, ugh. How many know, but I'd be like two, maybe three meals away from salmonella and like, not like the New Zealand band, but like, you know, like I'm sitting in the hospital for a few days because this is not good. Because he just gets so fed up. He's like, stop trying to just look good and start trying to be good. Forget about the image that you look to them and start to consider that the image that you look to him. Because God cares way more about our internal. He doesn't care about how we look to our neighbor. To the point where he's okay if it embarrasses you. Because he says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before God. And how many know that's an eternally significant problem? There's this cup of the Pharisees. There's also the cup of remembrance, which I thought would be awesome to land on tonight, which is communion. How many are thankful? Man, he's been so good. He's been so good. There's the cup of new covenant. Again, it gives access and power and proximity to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I was telling the guys in Massive this morning, it's like you got the cheat codes for life. He's just like, he's giving you this beast of the Holy Spirit. He's just like, don't do that. And sometimes you just be like, man, I don't feel like I should do that. Trust your gut. What if that's him? And there's this cup right. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the cup of decision, it says you can only eat and drink from one, the cup of the Lord or the cup of demons. Which is pretty big, right? Because a lot of the time we operate in this space where I'm like, this may not be of him, but at least it's not of him. I'm in my space right now. And it's confrontational because he's like, no, no, no. You're either feeding kingdom, feeding from and growing and establishing kingdom, or his kingdom, which is a big thought, right? And you're like, no, 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 I'm just growing my own kingdom. But it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. It's either his kingdom or not. Like we either seek refreshment and direction and wisdom and sustenance from him or not. That chasm in the middle gets super awkward. My Pilates is not strong. I won't go much further. I want to show you the cup of decision because I think it's good, but let me tell you one more first. In Revelation, again, talks about the judgment cup. Here we go again, the whole wrath and terror and stuff. So cup, right, cup, cup, 85 times through the Bible. God talks about different things with this cup, trying to illustrate a point that it's a vessel. But I understand, and we understand, that we are a vessel. 
And our cup is what we carry. It's what we give out of. And it's what we receive from. Because we reap what we sow. And when we personalize that question, it begs the question, what's in your cup? What's in our cup? What is it that we carry? What type of refreshment do we bring? And sustenance do we bring to other people? Come on, what's the cup that you're reaping from at the moment? Is this circumstance and situation at the moment that you just don't like? What if we're reaping from what we've sown? What if we're reaping from the overflow of the cup that is our life? It's what we receive from. So come on, input equals output. Change the input. So let me show you, right? I want to show you this. In terms of the cup of decision, I just need a volunteer. Bro, you, he's thirsty? Give up for my volunteer. I don't know why I picked a man that looks better than me. <laughs> so like, I literally just opened this one for the first time. You can trust that. Grab the cup. If you want, you can smell it. And then have a taste. You can have a drink. Is that water? Yep. Yeah, how's that taste? Good. That's good. That's good. Now, here's the thing, right? Now, small disclosure. I did this last night, and I'm not going to be so cruel as to do a whole capful. But do me a favor, smell that. Just like real small, just have a small taste. Can you taste that? I can feel my toes curling. <laughs> but can you see it? It's not, you can't really, eh? And like, we try and fool ourselves thinking my whole life is pretty much in order, except for this little small pocket, which I'm not really ready to deal with right now. But it's okay because no one else is going to see it. No one else is going to be able to smell it if you're far enough away. But I promise you they're going to taste it. Because it's the cup that we carry. And we can fool ourselves and say it's okay to hold on to this little thing. This area of lack, this area of sin, this area of stuff in my life that doesn't line up with who he's called me to be. Doesn't line up with his kingdom. It doesn't line up with his truth. It says, I just want to hold on to this unforgiveness. I just want to hold on to this area of bitterness and unresolved anger. I just want to hold on to this area of addiction. Because it's my little thing and no one's going to notice. No one's going to see because the rest of me has been sanctified. But I'm not ready to deal with that part of my life. And it's okay because no one's going to be able to smell it. And you might not be able to see it. But I promise you, friend, somebody's going to taste it. Because it's in the cup. It's in the cup. Thanks, man. And we fool ourselves. Because you can't see it on my face, especially when I walk into church. Uh-uh. You don't hear the conversation I had in the car on the way home. Uh-uh. Let alone when that driver cut me off. Uh-huh. 
You don't hear how I talk about my boss. You don't hear when everybody else was gossiping at work and I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of joined in. You don't get to see that because you see me in my Sunday clothes, which is Claire, right? Yes, Claire. And I can bring praise and I can bring, and there's nothing wrong with praise or worship. But man, when I worship holding on to my ish, come on, there's a block. And somebody's going to taste it. And like what Brim brought before, we can either humble ourselves or how many know sooner or later grace is just delayed punishment. And God will bring the four by two and he'll just call it out. And he'll go public. Because that's his nature. Because he cares more about your heart than he does about how you might think you look to somebody else. And out of a space of self-preservation, it's okay to not tell you what's really up, how I really feel. What I'm really dealing with, how you're doing good things. How can we fill our cup of stuff that's not him and still think that we're clean? How's balance in your life? How's balance? Because we can drink from the cup of the Lord. How's peace? Do you know, peace is something that's mentioned 341 times. And when God repeats himself, it's not because he's forgotten what he just said. Like he's trying to catch your attention. And sometimes he'll say it more than one time because he's not speaking to the head. He's speaking to the heart. And kingdom always prioritizes wholeness over healing. And so let me read you a few verses on peace. And then I just want to unpack how this scatterbrain thing works for those of you with short attention spans. Reach! Psalms verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Apologies for the lack of visibility for a second for you guys. I'll just read them to you so you're good. How are you sleeping? Come on, what's stealing your rest? As a disciple, God says, in peace you can lie down and sleep. So when stuff is robbing you, come on, take your peace back. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. So if all I do is trust you and have my thoughts fixed on you, then I'll be kept in perfect peace. So if I lose perfect peace, all I need to do is make the decision to trust you and keep my thoughts on you, and then I'll be in perfect peace. Friends, how's the peace working out in your life? You just got to trust Him and fix your gaze. God, I can't see you in this, but I'm trusting you in this. I know you're going to see me through this, and then you'll keep me in perfect peace. In John 14, 27, it says, I'm leaving a gift with you. It's a gift which means the giver, right, of a limitless supply is waiting to give you the gift of peace. The gift of peace of mind and heart. When's the last time you got a gift of peace? And the peace I give you, says Jesus, is a gift the world can't give, so don't be troubled or afraid. 
Friends, what's troubling you at the moment? Because he's waiting. You've got access to the gift of peace. In John 16, it says, I told you all this so that you might have peace in me. Where can I have peace? In him. Because he is peace. He's the God of peace. So we can have peace in him if we've got proximity with him. If I'm close enough to him, I'll reap the overflow of peace in my life. It says, but take, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's saying, I got this. I've been there. You can make it. Peace. Romans 8, 6, so letting your sinful, sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, because you either drink from the cup of the Lord or the cup of demons. We either access peace by letting His presence take control. When's the last time you said, God, help me make good decisions? Would you give me wisdom? Help me to look a little more like your disciple in this area of responsibility with my family, in my workspace. Come on, in my comings and in my goings. Help me carry peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And all my OCD brothers and sisters went, amen, because he's not a God of disorder. I said to my wife, if I'm grumpy, just do a chore. Pick one. You'll probably cheer me up. I'm a simple dude. Clean house is a good house. Colossians (laughs) 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. It's like he just tapped that bit on the end there. We've just done a whole series on Thanksgiving. Be thankful, by the way. But it says, let it. So it's a decision. Peace is a decision. When's the last time we let peace rule in our heart? Second Peter 1 verse 2 says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So we can grow in peace. It means that we can carry more peace. It means that we can be equipped to give out of the cup of our life peace. We can feed from and be able to share out of a greater level of peace. Come on, what do people taste on your life? I skip one. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. I love that message from Shelley recently. In all, but not because of all things. Be thankful in all things, but not because of all things. Have peace in all things, but not because of all peace. All right, you ready? Here we go. So peace, right, in the 341 times it's used, is often referred to as a blessing. Also as a gift. As many times it's referred to as a covenant or a promise. Multiple accounts throughout the Bible, there's this blessing of peace, this provision of peace. It's a gift that he can give. It's we can go in peace and we can come in peace. We can find peace, but also be found in peace. We are able to understand that peace is something that's made, but it's also something that's given, and it can be something that's requested. 
peace. I love the fact that one of the blessings of peace can be health. Jesus says in multiple accounts when he's here on earth, your faith has made you well, now go in peace. So faith and peace are intertwined. It's like if I can trust God in this moment, then the benefit of that is not just healing, but wholeness. I can carry peace. This faith leads to health, leads to peace. But it's also not just a blessing. It's not just a gift. It's not just promise and covenant. It's also a disposition. You know, well, if, if you don't know what that means, that's okay. It's like you're standing in that position or disposition. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we're just warming up. Like a disposition. It's like a state of being. It's a way of life. In the disposition, again, we can go in peace. We can come in peace. Again, we can find and be found in peace. Peace is something that we carry, but it's also something that's promoted. It's a state of being. How is your state of being? Peace is often also referred to around the whole theme of protection. And what's ironic about this is in multiple accounts, you've got to fight for your peace. Like when you access your inheritance in the promised land, right? The first thing you got to do is beat the other dudes up and kick them out. So like sometimes in order to get peace, you've got to fight for peace. Oftentimes we justify our ability to fight against peace because that's how I feel. But when you're fighting for peace, you're fighting with a different spirit. You're fighting with a different purpose from a different kingdom. It talks about protection, how God would guard your heart and mind. And in so many times, he talks about our heart and our mind as if that's two in one thing. It's like if I can have your attention, that'll fill out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. How do we know when the mouth speaks, it comes from what the mind engages. It's like the two are somehow connected. So if I can get my thinking right, I can get my heart right. Or if God can deal with issues in my heart, He can transform the areas in my thinking. Because they're two in one. They're like this symbiotic relationship. Inside this whole area of protection, yeah, it's something that you fight for, but it's also something that would guard you and keep you in peace. And there's this whole theme that we don't have time to unpack of rest out of this area of protection. Peace is also a fruit and a seed. Oftentimes I'm guilty of thinking about fruits of the Spirit, but there's only one fruit. You either have it or you don't. The inconvenient truth is those things which aren't convenient represent part of the fruit. So you either carry the whole lot or I'm missing the fruit. I can't just pick some of it and be like, oh, I like the pips. He's like, I want you to have the whole fruit. Fruit gives you what? Sustenance, replenishment, refreshment. Fruit, but it's also seed. It's something we're sowing. We can sow out of the cup of what we carry. Yahweh Shalom. Peace is Jesus. The Lord is peace. It's literally His name. One of the names that He gives to describe Himself is the Lord of Peace. He is the Lord of Peace. He's the King and the Lord of Peace. Helpful when I link that to him. 
It's a message. The gospel is good news. Do you want to know how I know? Here's how I know the gospel is good news, right? The gospel is quite simply peace with God through Jesus. That's the good news. You can have peace with God through Jesus. That's awesome. That's the good news. It's the gospel. Peace is also talks about offering and sacrifice. There's a cost. There's always a cost to a sacrifice. If there's no cost, it's not a sacrifice. What are you sowing? It's also talked about as a political state. There was peace in the land for 40 years. There was peace in the land for 70 years. There was peace. There was peace of this time. But it can also be something that you have terms for and you make agreement for. can be a proposal doesn't necessarily mean it always stays peaceful and it can also be a relational state it's a way to live with other people so when I think about peace right that's where I go peace is Jesus it's a message peace is health peace is blessing peace is a disposition peace is protection so how do I marry the two this is my moment of truth. Can I turn the board? I was going to make it look real cool and flip it over, but then I realized I did these things upside down if I'd flipped it over. What's that got to do with mental health? What's that got to do with my state of being? What's that got to do with a cup? If you were to break down the cup of who you are, right? And I know I can't separate you into parts because that's just a bit gruesome and I'd probably go to jail for cutting you into pieces. So I'm not going to do that. But like metaphorically, right, if we were to unpack some of the areas, there's multiple areas of our lives, right? There's the intellectual, the mind, right? Which is like the IQ or your mind. There's also like the emotional part of who we are, like our EQ, our emotions. But then there's also like the physical part of ourselves, which let's just call health. Physical, right? another bucket in our life. I also understand we're in church, right? So there's spiritual. Let me give you a life hack if you find it awkward to talk about that area in front of friends and family or whatever, colleagues, whatever, outside of this building. Do you know that spiritual also talks about meaning and purpose? You can talk to anybody about what gives you meaning and purpose. And as soon as you can find something that means that they're serving something that's bigger themselves, you can be like, oh, yeah, it's like that with me too. See, I know this guy, Jesus. And suddenly spiritual becomes natural because it's an easy conversation because people understand meaning or purpose. Often people find meaning or purpose in what they do. The message of Jesus is you don't have to find it in what you do, it's in who you are. And it's in who you are because of who I am. Meaning and purpose. And I'm just gonna chuck this other one up here, which is financial. And friends, I promise you, there's stages of my life where I've lived in every area in blessing and lack. And this year has been no exception, going from two people earning to one and having another human to look after and just trying to survive, but also trying to take steps of faith and sacrifice and courage. And sometimes that rubs us, right? And so what can we do to fill these different areas in our life? Like I would, I would this is what I do, right? 
in some areas of my life, when I'm talking to people about mental health, we start to figure out real basic stuff. This is not rocket science, but it's one of those easy to say and hard to do things. Like if I talk about health, okay, cool. So right, sleep, rest, food, exercise, maybe time out, maybe time doing stuff, physical activity. It's a bucket. How do I fill it? Oh, what about like the whole mental thing? How do we do that? It's learning. For some people, it's research. Sometimes it's just a new activity. There's a whole lot of ways you can activate mental development. Maybe it's taking on a new role. Maybe it's trying something new, new responsibility. If it's been a while since that one's been fresh, let me show you a bunch of E-teams here. You can serve in and learn a whole bunch of cool stuff. I can show you how to coil cables like a boss and pack out dairy farming background. Or our emotions, right? How do we fill our emotional thing? Like this is like, sometimes this is about others. Or if sometimes this is about time out from others. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes also from an emotional space, it's like, okay, what's feeding me? What am I listening to? What am I watching? And what am I feeding out of? What am I giving out of? The overflow in that space, that whole emotional thing. For me, it's doing chores, like productivity and cleaning things up sometimes. It's just a really great way to feel better emotionally. I'm like, man, I did something productive. It was worth being alive today. There was a purpose to breathing. There's a whole lot of ways in that space emotionally. Sometimes it's friendship or love. From a place of meaning or purpose or spiritual space. Now we know this often in chair spaces like discipleship, right? So sometimes this is when I spend time with Jesus. So when I read His Word, sometimes when I pray, sometimes it can be meditation, what I think about. Sometimes it can be praise and worship. But there's other stuff also in terms of meaning and purpose. Sometimes it's what I do. And sometimes it's good to think about what I do. It can just even come down to vision. And if you don't have vision, sometimes it comes down to hope. I just hope that this gets better. I just hope that there's more. Like there's something innately human and intrinsically woven into your fabric of your being, into the fabric of your being that just says, I'm not going to settle with what I have now. I'm not content with what I have now. God, there's got to be more. And there always is. He's always calling you from strength to strength to never rest in one place for too long because He wants you to move forward because He's got more. There's more of Him. There's so much more of Him. And when we can start to box God into a place where I can understand who He is, I've limited Him to something that He's not. And I gotta go, man, I gotta take the box away again and say, God, show me something expensive. If it's possible for eternity to never tire of seeing something new of who you are and giving you worship and praise, then why should I tire here? Why should I box you into a place where, okay, cool, I get you, I understand you. That's not who He is. He's unfathomable. Sometimes we just need to spend a little bit of time. Proximity again brings this whole refreshment to that cup. What about financial? Sometimes that's just lifestyle question. We use this thing at work called UMI. It means uncommitted monthly income. And every application amongst the whole myriad of other tests and checks and things like that always also comes down to, can you service this? Can you handle this responsibility? And most people will tell you, 
living expenses are here when the honest account conduct is here. So we check that stuff, right? Like assets, liabilities, income and expenses, A-L-I-E. They'll always tell you a lie. Oh, it's cost me about that for power. It cost me this for food. Never mind the other 600 bucks I just spent on takeaways over those couple of weeks or on other things and disposable income. But it's about how are you being faithful with what you've been entrusted with? What's the uncommitted monthly income looking like in your life? Sometimes it's about actually I made a bad decision to take on that debt or to buy that thing now. I wanted it now instead of later. So now I've got to live with the consequence. But what can I change in my lifestyle to give me margin? Because I can't be generous if I don't have an overflow. But He's called me to be a person with a generous spirit and a generous disposition, a generous heart, a generous nature. So i got to change that. Sometimes that's a question of diligence and actually sitting down and doing a budget. When's the last time you looked at your budget? This is the time of year that that kind of comes last and you start dreaming about the things for next year. But understand that that can position you and that can release you and other people. It can be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. If you're a river and not a pond, if you allow it to flow through you and not stop with you. So there's these questions, right? I think about mind, will, emotion. I think about, am I healthy? And here's the thing, right? I can either ask you, how's it going? Oh, yep, good, thanks. Or I can sit you down and we can go through this and go out of 10 right now. Where are you at in these areas? And it might be, man, like a four, or it might be like an eight, or you might be out of 10 right now. Maybe this for you is like an eight because you're training for a marathon. Maybe for some of you, it's like a two. Maybe in this space here, this is the one that sucks, and maybe it's like a one. Or maybe you're in a good place of health, and it's like maybe up there with a nine. This could be the same. You could be like a seven or a four. And this place here, you, again, it could fluctuate. Understand that this is fluid, right? It doesn't sit still. So where I am right now might be like a, Again, a nine, but it could have been a three. And then you've got to ask the question, right? When you look through this space, if some of these things are like four and some of these are like nine and stuff, how can I expect to be a good disciple when I'm running on half? If that area in my life is on half, it means it's half not him. Which is a scary thought, right? But it opens up a conversation to see how am I doing in life rather than good things. Because by nature of self-protection, we've learned to say, I'm not going to show you where I'm struggling right now. I don't want to let you see that right now. Because I'm clean. My cup's good. I don't want to talk about the cap full of stuff that's my ish right now that's really stressing me and taking my peace. It's robbed me of my cup. But if we understand where we sit right now, then you can do something about it. You can't address what you don't measure. So how's your cup? And we make the mistake of thinking, if I'm low here, right? And if I'm high here, they won't have an impact on each other. Like it's easy to try and separate these things, but you've got to understand that like, if, like my year, if you're in a place of lack for long enough, that can start robbing your emotions and the whole stress thing and how are we going to make this work, God? And you said, and when God shows you a different thing, it's like, I can trust you in this. I can test you in this. And so you test them, but you're waiting. And you're waiting. And sometimes He's showing you a different part of His patience and His character. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. But it's always in the right time. But if I 
start getting into this place where I've lost my peace with emotions long enough because this thing sucked and now this thing starts to suck. Now I'm struggling to sleep right now and I've got to understand that what used to be a real area of strength, now I can't sleep well so I'm not feeling good physically anymore and all of a sudden it drains my whole thing. So there's this overflow. They're interconnected. Do you get it? Does it make sense? Like you've got to understand that this is you and you are one person. And if we're going to address an area of mental health, you've got to ask the question and have space in your life where you can have somebody unpack that. That's the power of an e-group. Like friends, if you're not in one, if you're not in a relationship where you can be accountable with other people who are just chasing Jesus and dealing with the mess along the way, then you can't fight this by yourself. How many know stronger together, but like there's this thing, right? Where one might put 2,000 to flight, two can put 20,000 to flight. It's not additional in the kingdom, it's multiplication. And there's a lack of multiplication in our lives when we're not in an area, we're not vulnerable. We're not in relationship where we can say to someone, man, this is not going good. Can you just pray for, I need wisdom. And yes, there's an element of impartation but there's also an element of discipline. So sometimes it's about both. What do I need to change right now? Friends, I don't wanna overwhelm you with five different things to go home and have homework on because that's just like, if I already don't have peace and now I'm looking at five things to suck, I'm in trouble. Pick the worst one. And if you can be one point ahead of where you rated yourself, and this is all self-rating, based on how you see other people, what's a 10 to you might not be a 10 to me. That's a different conversation. But friends, if there's an area that's low for you right now, what's one thing you can do this week to address it? Because it's real easy to talk about it, but it's hard to do. How's your cup? How's it going? Good, thanks. Or actually, can we talk about that? Do you really care? And I am of the conviction, not just the opinion, that this house cares for you. We care. It is my experience. It is my expectation. It is my conviction that you're surrounded by a family who cares about how you're doing. And when stuff is not always going right, sometimes it's just about finding the right person to have an outlet to and the right environment. Sometimes it's just about putting it on the map for somebody else because all of a sudden something starts to happen and you start to hang around people who hang around Him enough and you start caring about what's on the inside more than you do about what's on the outside. And here's this thing, right? We addressed this this week in my e-group. I made the decision that if I can't respond to a prompting in an altar call, how can I expect somebody else to? So even when it's going to cost me something and even when it sucks and even when it makes me look like a bad person and not every altar call is like a, you rock, let's pray for you. Let's be honest. Like some of them are just hard to be like, yeah, that's me. Do you know what I mean? Because now I've got to be vulnerable and I've got to be honest because there's an area of ish in my life that I got to deal with. It's picked up that capful. But you got to understand that when I look at other people who do that, I see courage. I see strength. I see a soft heart that says, I care more about the inside than the outside. I see an opportunity for change. But what is it about me 
when I go to do it, it's like, you're just going to see my sin. You're going to see my shortcoming. Because I've let my ego and my pride get in the way of my breakthrough. And friends, I encourage you, if you're like me and you struggle sometimes to respond in an opportunity to deal with some of the vinegar in your life, just change your perspective. My friends are going to see me get free. My wife or my husband or my family is going to see a better version of me walk out of here. What I've been entrusted with, the area of my responsibility is going to be better off because I was close to Jesus. If I can just have proximity to Him, He can fill my cup. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.